Section 12 of History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Australia and New Zealand from 1696 to 1890 by Alexander and George Sutherland. The Discovery of Gold. 1. Importance of the Year 1851 The year 1851 was in many ways an eventful one to Australia. In that year, the colonies received from the Imperial Parliament the amended constitutions they had so long expected. Tasmania, South Australia, Port Phillip, and Western Australia were now no longer under the absolute control of governors sent out by the colonial authorities in England. They could, henceforth, boast the dignity of being self-governed communities, for in 1851 they were invested with political powers which had previously been possessed by New South Wales alone. They now had the privilege of electing two-thirds of the members of a legislative council, which not only had the power of making laws each for its own colony, but also of framing any new constitution for itself, according to its own taste and requirements. Each colony kept its legislative council for only a year or two until it could discuss and establish a regular system of parliamentary government with two houses and a cabinet of responsible ministers. Again, it was on the 1st of July in the same year that Port Phillip gained its independence. From that day onward, its prosperous career must be related under its new title, Victoria. But the event which made the year 1851 especially memorable in the annals of Australia was the discovery near Bathurst, of the first of those rich gold fields which for so long a time changed the prospects of the colonies for several years after the date of this occurrence the history of australia is little more than the story of the feverish search for gold with its hopes its labor its turmoil and its madness its scenes of exultation and splendid triumph and its still more frequent scenes of bitter and gloomy disappointment two early rumors of gold for many years there had been rumors that the bloom mountains were auriferous it was said that gold had been seen by convicts in the days of macquarie and indeed still earlier but to the stories of prisoners who claimed rewards for alleged discoveries the authorities in sydney always listened with extreme suspicion more especially as no pretended discoverer could ever find more than his first small specimens in eighteen forty a polish nobleman named strzelecki who had been travelling among the ranges around mount kosciuszko stated that from indications he had observed he was firmly persuaded of the existence of gold in these mountains but the governor asked him as a favor to make no mention of a theory which might perhaps unsettle the colony and fill the easily excited convicts with hopes which he feared would prove delusive strzelecki agreed not to publish his belief but there was another man of science who was not so easily to be silenced the rev w b clark 
a clergyman devoted to geology exhibited specimens in sydney on which he based an opinion that the blue mountains would eventually be found to possess gold fields of great extent and value some of these were taken to london by strzelecki and in eighteen forty four a great english scientist sir roderick murchison read a paper before the royal geographical society in which he expressed a theory similar to that of mr clark in eighteen forty six he again called attention to this subject and showed that from the great similarity which existed between the rocks of the blue mountains and those of the urals there was every probability that the one would be found as rich as the other was known to be in the precious metals so far as theory could go the matter had been well discussed before the year eighteen fifty one but no one had ventured to spend his time and money in making a practical effort to settle the question three edward hargraves about that time however the rich mines of california attracted a bathurst settler named edward hargraves to seek his fortune on the banks of the sacramento and though among the great crowds of struggling and jostling diggers he met with but little success yet he learned the methods by which gold is discovered and secured and laid the foundation for adventures in australia which were afterwards to bring him both wealth and renown whilst he toiled with increasing disappointment on one of these famous gold fields the scenery around him and the appearance of the rocks recalled to his memory a certain secluded valley beyond the blue mountains which he had visited thirteen years before the notion floated vaguely through his mind that perhaps in that silent spot there might lie great treasures such as he saw his more fortunate companions from time to time draw forth from the rocks and soil around him day after day the image of that winding creek among the hills near bathurst recurred with increasing vividness to stimulate his imagination and awaken his hopes at length this feeling impelled him to seek once more the shores of australia in order to examine the spot which had so often been present to his daydreams he lost no time in sailing and scarcely had he arrived in sydney ere he set out on horseback to cross the blue mountains on the eleventh of february eighteen fifty one he spent the night at a little inn a few miles from the object of his journey and shortly after dawn he sallied forth on his ride through the forest carrying with him a spade and a trowel and a little tin dish in the cool air of the morning the scent of the spreading gum trees braced up his frame as he plunged deeper and deeper among those lonely hollows and wood-clad hills in an hour or two he reached the well-remembered spot the dry course of a mountain torrent which in rainy seasons finds its way into the summerhill creek he lost no time in placing a little of the grey-coloured soil into his tin dish and at once carried it to the nearest pool where he dipped the hole beneath the water by moving the dish rapidly as he had learned to do in california he washed away the sand and earth but the particles of gold which are more than seven and a half times heavier than sand were not so easily to be carried off they sank to the corner of the dish where they lay secure 
a few small specks themselves of little value yet telling of hidden treasures that lay scattered in all the soil around a few days were spent in a careful examination of the neighboring valleys and when he was absolutely certain that the hopes he had so warmly indulged would not prove empty he set out for sydney taking care however to breathe no word of what he thought or of what he had proved on the third of april he wrote a letter to the colonial secretary in which he stated that if the government were willing to give him five hundred pounds he would point out localities in new south wales where gold was abundantly to be found in reply the colonial secretary announced that no preliminary reward could be given but that if he chose first of all to point out the localities he would afterwards be recompensed in proportion to the results he accepted these conditions and mr stutchbury the colonial geologist was sent to accompany him to the summerhill creek on the eighth of may they set to work and soon obtained several ounces of grain gold on the thirteenth they discovered a single piece worth thirty pounds and next day mr stutchbury reported to the government that he had seen enough to convince him that the district was rich in the precious metal five days afterwards the little valley of the summerhill contained four hundred persons all stooping over the creek in a row about a mile long each with a dish in his hand scarcely ever raising his head but busily engaged in washing the sand for gold lumps were frequently found of a value varying from five pounds to two hundred pounds a week later there were a thousand persons at work on the creek near the formerly lonely gully four rush to the goldfield the excitement throughout the colony now became intense workmen quitted their employment shepherds deserted their flocks shopkeepers closed their stores and a great tide of fortune seekers pressed onward day by day to the west most of these had sold everything they possessed in order to make up a little bundle of necessary articles yet there were very many but ill provided for a lengthened stay they hurried along the road with the fallacious idea that gold was simply to be shoveled into bags and carted to sydney but when they came upon the scene and saw that in the case of most of them it would only be after weeks and months of severe and constant toil that they could be rich they grew faint-hearted lounged for a week or two on the diggings and then started for home again so that for some time there was a counter-current of grumbling and discontented men passing back to sydney by the road these men thought themselves befooled by hargraves and it might perhaps have cost him his life had he fallen into their hands on his trip to sydney he was careful to disguise himself to avoid their threatened revenge he received from government however his preliminary reward of five hundred pounds and in after years new south wales voted him the sum of ten thousand pounds which was supplemented by a present of two thousand three hundred eighty one pounds from victoria other profits also accrued to hargraves so that he was in the end recompensed for his toil 
and trouble with a handsome competency the gloomy reports of returning diggers checked for a time the flow of people to the west but in the month of july an aboriginal shepherd on a station near bathurst burst in upon his master while seated at dinner his eyes glistening with excitement he was only able to stammer out oh massa white man find little fellow me find big fellow when his master drove him in a buggy through the forest the shepherd pointed to where a hundredweight of gold was sticking out from a rock it was so heavy that they had to chop it in two with their axes before they could lift it into the buggy it was afterwards sold for four thousand pounds so splendid a prize obtained in so easy a manner was a temptation too dazzling to be resisted and the stream of people along the bathurst road was now tenfold denser than before five government regulations when the population on the gold fields began to grow numerous the government found it necessary to make arrangements for the preservation of law and order a commissioner was appointed who was to act as a magistrate he was to be assisted by a small body of police and was to take charge of the gold escorts as the lands on which the gold was being found were the public property of the colony it was thought to be but just what the community as a whole should participate to some small extent in the wealth raised from them and the order was therefore issued that diggers should in all cases take out licenses before seeking for gold and should pay for them at the rate of thirty shillings per month new diggings were from time to time opened up and fresh crowds of eager men constantly pressed towards them leaving the towns deserted and the neighboring colonies greatly reduced in population for some months the turon river was the favorite at one time it had no less than ten thousand men upon its banks at ophir and braidwood and maru the most industrious and sagacious miners were generally rewarded by the discovery of fine pieces of gold for which the californian name of nuggets now began to be extensively used six gold in victoria when latrobe was sworn in to fill the office of governor of victoria on the sixteenth july eighteen fifty one it appeared probable that he would soon have but a small community to rule over so great were the numbers of those who were daily packing up their effects and setting off for the gold-fields of new south wales that victoria seemed likely to sink into a very insignificant place on the list of australian colonies in alarm at this prospect a number of the leading citizens of melbourne on the ninth of june united to form what was called the gold discovery committee and offered a reward of two hundred pounds to the person who should give the first intimation of a paying gold field within two hundred miles of melbourne many persons set out each in hopes of being the fortunate discoverer and a report having been circulated that signs of gold had been seen on the plenty ranges there were soon no less than two hundred persons scouring those hills though for a long time without success the first useful discovery in victoria seems to have been made on first july by a californian digger named esmond who like hargraves 
had entered on the search with a practical knowledge of the work his experience had taught him the general characteristics of a country in which gold is likely to be found and he selected clunes as a favorable spot he found the quartz rock of the district richly sprinkled with gold and his discovery having been made known several hundred people were quickly on the scene almost on the same day gold was discovered by a party of six men at anderson's creek only a few miles up the yarra from melbourne it is thus difficult to determine with certainty whether or not esmond was in reality the first discoverer but at any rate he received honours and emoluments as such and in after years the victorian parliament presented him with one thousand pounds for his services seven ballarat on the tenth of august the geelong newspapers announced that deposits of auriferous earth had been discovered at buninyong and very soon the sunny slopes of that peaceful and pastoral district were swarming with prospecting parties the quietly browsing sheep were startled from their favorite solitudes by crowds of men who hastened with pick and spade to break up the soil in every direction each eager to outstrip the other in the race for wealth this region however did not realize the expectations that had been formed of it and many of the diggers began to move northwards in the direction of clunes but at clunes also there had been disappointment for the gold was mostly embedded in quartz rock and these early miners were not prepared to extract it parties from clunes were therefore moving southwards to buninyong and the two currents met on the slopes of the yarrowee a streamlet whose banks were afterwards famous as the ballarat diggings the first comers began to work at a bend in the creek which they called golden point here for a time each man could easily earn from twenty pounds to forty pounds a day and crowds of people hurried to the scene every one selected a piece of ground which he called his claim and set to work to dig a hole in it but when the bottom of the sandy layer was reached and there seemed to be nothing but pipe clay below the claim was supposed to be worked out and was straightway abandoned however a miner named cavanagh determined to try an experiment and having entered one of these deserted claims he dug through the layer of pipe clay when he had the good fortune to come suddenly upon several large deposits of green gold he had reached what had been in long past ages the bed of the creek where in every little hollow for century after century the flowing waters had gently deposited the gold which they had washed out of the rocks in the mountains in many cases these pockets as they were called were found to contain gold to the value of thousands of pounds so that very soon all the claims were carried down a few feet further and with such success that before a month had passed ballarat took rank as the richest gold field in the world in october there were ten thousand men at work on the yarrowee acre after acre was covered with circular heaps of red and yellow sand each with its shaft in the middle in which men were toiling beneath the ground to excavate the soil and pass it to their companions above who quickly hurried with it to the banks of the creek 
where twelve hundred cradles rocked by brawny arms were washing the sand from the gold eight mount alexander in the month of september a party who had gone about forty miles northeast of clunes to mount alexander discovered near the present site of castle maine a valuable seam of gold-bearing earth the fame of this place soon spread through all the colony many left ballarat to seek it and crowds of people hastened from melbourne and geelong to share in the glittering prizes in october eight thousand men had gathered in the district in november there were not less than twenty-five thousand diggers at work and three tons of gold were waiting in the tent of the commissioner to be carried to melbourne the road to mount alexander was crowded with men of all ranks and conditions pressing eagerly onward to be in time nine sandhurst a few weeks later the glories both of ballarat and of mount alexander were dimmed for a time by the discovery of gold on the bendigo creek which seemed at first to be the richest of all the gold fields in the course of a few months nearly forty thousand persons were scattered along the banks of the streamlet where the handsome streets of bendigo now stand in the month of may eighteen fifty two there must have been close upon seventy thousand men in the country between buninyong and bendigo all engaged in the same occupation melbourne and geelong were silent and deserted for all classes were alike infected with the same excitement lawyers doctors clerks merchants laborers mechanics all were to be found struggling through the miry ruts that served for a highway to bendigo the sailors left the ships in the bay with scarcely a man to take care of them even the very policemen deserted and the warders in the jails resigned in a body the price of labor now became excessive for no man was willing to stay away from the diggings unless tempted by the offer of four or five times the ordinary wage ten immigration meanwhile the news of these great discoveries had traveled to europe so that after the middle of eighteen fifty two ships began to arrive freighted with thousands of men of all nations who no sooner landed in melbourne than they started for the diggings during this year nearly one hundred thousand persons were thus brought into the country and the population was doubled at a bound next year ninety two thousand fresh arrivals landed and victoria thus became the most populous of the colonies during the two following years it received a further accession of a hundred and fifty thousand so that in eighteen fifty six it contained four hundred thousand inhabitants or about five times the number it possessed in eighteen fifty the staple industry was of course the mining for gold of which in eighteen fifty two one hundred and seventy four tons were raised valued at fourteen million pounds during the next ten years one hundred million pounds worth of gold was exported from victoria some of the nuggets that were found are of historic note the sarah sands discovered in eighteen fifty three was worth about six thousand five hundred pounds in eighteen fifty seven the blanche barclay worth seven thousand pounds was discovered 
and the following year produced the welcome nugget which was sold for ten thousand five hundred pounds and was the greatest on record until in eighteen sixty nine the welcome stranger was dug out which proved to be slightly larger End of section twelve recording by Linda Johnson